0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We truly appreciate the support. As always, please make sure you are liking, sharing, following, subscribing to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on, and head over to social media as well so you can stay up to date on all the exciting episodes we have coming up in the future. Today, we are sitting down with Haley Witters. She released her album, The Dream, back in 2019, which included the single, 10-Year Town. Now that song basically told the tale of Haley, her journey through Nashville. It began back in 2007 when she moved to Nashville with not much more than a dream of being a country music musician. Now after 12 years, which was 2019, she finally started to gain traction with the album and with the single 10-Year Town. Since that time, She has toured with Maren Morris. She has played the Grand Old Opry multiple times and big things are set to happen in 2021, including a tour with Midland. It's been a very long journey, but she is finally starting to see a career take shape that she dreamed of back when she first moved to Nashville. So please enjoy our conversation with Hayley Witters. want you to take me back to a living room in a trailer in the middle of a cornfield with a little girl singing Shania Twain.
1: Yeah, I mean, I grew up like, you know, when I was real young, we lived in a baby blue single wide trailer in the middle of a cornfield. And I would just like get on the back of my dad's lawnmower and just ride around and sing songs to myself. I you know, where I grew up, I really only had country radio as kind of my, um, you know, my source of country music. So I pretty much grew up hearing Shania and Trisha and Tim and Alan Jackson and all of those voices of the 90s. And I kind of had to go do my own digging to find anything deeper than that, you know, my grandma gave me a collection of records she had when I was like 15. I had some Johnny Cash and some Eddie Arnold, but I would say it probably wasn't really until I came to Nashville that I started to understand, you know, the songwriters and, you know, digging more into Americana music and that and stuff like that. But early on, it was definitely just like, you know, what was on the radio in country at the time
0: right and as far as musical talent in your family goes, you have quite a large family. you're the oldest of six, are you? And then yeah. I saw I saw some pictures from your grandma and I think you had said your mom is like one of nine
1: kids. Yeah, so my mom and dad are both one of nine. my grandpa's one of 15. so I come <laughs> from a very very big Irish Catholic family um so yeah it's it's pretty big and you know it's like, What you know, growing up, no, like I would say, my family's very creative, like, there was a lot of creativity in my family, but I don't think anyone ever knew how to apply it to making it like a career. So, a lot of the men in my family, you know, my 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 mom's dad ran a trucking business. And then my dad's dad ran a sod farm and all my aunts and uncles grew up working there. And then it would, you know, the the aunts would get married and start having kids and raising families and stuff like that. So um, I don't think anyone ever really got the opportunity to start, uh, to try and figure out how to make a career out of being, you know, artistic and creative until probably like my generation. And so it was kind of an anomaly that I, from a very early age, was like, I'm going to move away from everyone I know and everything I've ever known and pursue a career in the music business. I think everyone was kind of like, what? like, you didn't know, we didn't know how to do that, you know? And I just, I think it's very unusual probably that I had this like, blind determination to move to Nashville and to just jump into it. I mean, looking back on it now, it's really bold, you know, and I, I really can't believe I did that. But I, I was just really, you know, gun ho about doing that from an early age.
0: And as far as the writing, the guitar playing, like you say, like none of your family really guided you into that. So what was it and when was it when you sort of guided yourself into both the songwriting and the guitar playing?
1: Well, you know, I had, I, when I remember being in elementary school and um, trying to start a band with, you know, girls in my class. And I went down to the guidance counselor's office one day and I was like, You know, I think he'd come in and talk to us about careers and, you know, just what we want to be when we grow up or whatever. And I went down to his office after that meeting and was like, I want to be a country music singer. And uh, he said, do you write your own music? And I said, no. And he was like, well, who's some of your favorite country singers? And I said, the Dixie Chicks. And he was like, well, do you know that they write their own songs? and so that was the light bulb that went off where i was like okay i gotta start writing my own songs and i went home and my mom my mom you know she picked up guitar as a child she never really like stuck through with it but oh, okay. um, she kind of helped guide me towards getting into guitar lessons she bought me a guitar she actually started taking lessons with me for a while i oh, remember yeah. kind of like this fun mom daughter thing that we got to do but Uh, She found a guy in Cedar Rapids who taught lessons out of his basement, and I would just go to his house once a week, and he started teaching me enough chords to, you know, write songs to, and I really would just hole up in my bedroom and write songs. I would write my lyrics on my bedroom walls, which did not please my parents, but (laughs) I just kind of turned my bedroom into, like, this creative space where I would just sit in there for hours and, you know, fiddle around with with my guitar and trying to write things. And um, I would say that's probably how it started. I think I was about 15 or 16 when I wrote like my first actual song. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long after that I moved to Nashville. And I really think Nashville was kind of like my crash course in songwriting. And um, I would just every night I would go out to a writer's round from like 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. and I just immerse myself in, you know, the songwriter, the songwriter scene around town, just trying to hear, you know, Hillary Lindsey and Lori McKenna, Natalie Hemby and Sarah Buxton, just trying to hear all of these songwriters and learn from them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a while, you know, since I wrote that first song in my basement back in Iowa.
0: <laughs> and when you were young, like in high school, middle school, like you were all about country, right? Cause I saw that you had written a school paper about the Dixie chicks and how one of them got sick and you had to fill in and become a Dixie chick. So really your mind was on country music, like the entire time, right?
1: It was always on country music, you know, I used to be even like a little bit in like my one like that, like kind of emo teenage, you know, sophomore year where like country is just so not cool to listen to. You know what I mean? When you're that age, I would like, you know, my friend would jump in the car and I'd like turn my radio down and play dashboard confessional or something and try and be like real cool. But it's always been country for me. It still is kind of just only country. You know, I, mean, I think a lot of my, I have a, my managers out of LA and I think he just like rolls his eyes sometimes at how ignorant I am to anything outside of country music. You know, it's kind of always just been what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I, I kind of live in a little bubble, I guess, in that way whether it's <laughs> good or bad, but yeah.
0: And when you went to Nashville, now you attended Belmont but did you go to Nashville to go to school or did you go just to go to Nashville and the school kind of came after you had already been there for a bit?
1: So I came, my mom brought me down when I was like 15 and it was my first time being to any kind of city bigger than Cedar Rapids. You know, I'd never even been to Chicago. So I came down and we walked down Broadway and I see all these people busking with their guitars on the street. And we went backstage at the Grand Ole Opry and I was just absolutely smitten, like, so blown away, just instantly was like, I'm moving here after high school. I don't care what you say, like, this is where I'm going to be. And that really scared my mom, because I'm like the oldest of six kids. I'm her oldest kid. You know, I'm about I'm a young, really naive girl who was about to move nine hours away from anyone that I knew. And I think my mom was just really nervous about that. So she got online and tried finding, um, you know, schools nearby and, you know, also kind of oddly enough, like I'm the first person in, you know, my family to ever graduate from college. So I think that that was very important for my parents for, for me to go to school and graduate. Cause that was something that they didn't get to do. Um, but I pretty much told her, you know, she said, Hey, what about Belmont? They have, you know, school of music, a music business program what about doing that? And I was like, okay, yeah, I will apply for Belmont and, you know, see if I get in. But just so you know, if I don't, I'm still moving there. And I ended up, it was the only school I applied for. I got in. So I moved down at 17. Um, I really think that, you know, in hindsight, I wasn't ever much of a student, but I do think it was really nice to have, you know, um, that community because I just, as ignorant and naive as I was, I mean, I'd, I'd probably be, you know, I probably would have left a lot sooner if I didn't have something like school keeping me here.
0: Right. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, it's one thing to have this thought of I'm going to Nashville. That's what I'm doing. But then there's actually getting there and realizing that you are nine hours away from everyone, you know, and that sort of realization. So what was it actually like when you were dropped off? and everyone left, and you realized, oh, yeah, I am here now.
1: I mean, I don't think I missed a beat. Like, the minute my parents dropped me off and left, I got out and walked from, I didn't have a car, so I walked from Belmont campus all the way to Broadway downtown and started walking in the bars asking for a gig, you know? Like, I just, I really didn't know how the music industry worked, and so I just kind of, you know, came from that whole, like, you want to do something, you got to do it yourself mentality, you know, in the Midwest. And I just started walking in rooms and, you know, I'd sit and watch and I'd wait for the band to get off stage. And then I'd go up and say, Hey, I'm Haley Witters. I'm a singer songwriter, you know, can I play here? Who do I got to talk to? And, and little by little that just ended up to like me talking to people and meeting people. And, you know, I played down on Broadway for a while. I was playing um, Tootsies and Rippies and I'd play out at the airport and just in between classes you know, I'd go play music or I'd go, um, I think it was like within the first month that I was in town, I got on MySpace, you know, and, um, started looking around at then like writers venues in town and trying to book writers rounds. And that just kind of domino effect led to me meeting more writers and more artists and people in the industry and all of that. And, um, So I was, you know, I was technically a student, but I was like side hustling, trying to get my music off the ground, you know?
0: Yeah. And so in 2012, you signed a publishing deal with Carnival Music. Now, how did that come about? Was that basically just from hitting the ground and meeting people and getting to know people?
1: Yeah, well, actually, oddly enough, one of the first people I met, like one of the first five people I met when I moved down here was the girl named Emily Chiraldi. And um, flash forward five years later, four or five years later, she ends up getting a job at Carnival, and we just kept in touch. You know, she'd always hear my new music and take meetings and everything like that. And, um, you know, Carnival was, like, my dream place. I really, really wanted to write for Carnival, but because of our relationship, I didn't want to make it awkward for her to feel like, you know, she had to sign me or something, so... Right. I just kept doing my thing and I remember starting to get some activity around town. You know, I I I funded an EP um and put that out and started playing some shows and it started getting some attention from other publishers in town. And uh she took me to breakfast one day before my day job which I was a a receptionist at hair salon at the time. And she said, Hey, can we go get breakfast? And um, she took me out and she sat me down and said, Carnival wants to sign you. And that was just like my ultimate dream gig. You know, I literally was just so over the moon. And, you know, I went into sweep hair that day on cloud nine. I was just so thrilled. I thought like, you know, this is my big break. I get to write for my dream publishing company. And um, yeah, it was just great. That happened about year six and that was about, you know, about a year and a half after I'd graduated and I was just working odd end jobs, you know, to try and uh, be able to keep doing music on the side. So that was a, that was a great day.
0: You mentioned with country music and sort of that being your genre there is a big community in country music. It feels like a very helpful community. People are there to help you up. So how important has that community been for you over the past 14 years in keeping you motivated and moving forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, I, I can't really speak to other genres. I have no idea like what their culture is like, but in the country music community, it definitely feels like a small town, you know, in that way where it's like, everybody knows everybody everybody's rooting for everybody. Um, you, you just kind of feel like one big old family and everyone's happy for your success and for your achievements. And, and there were, you know, there were definitely years where like, I was really frustrated with the industry side of it. You know, I was being told no, and I wasn't being taken seriously. And I would say that the thing that really, you know, you know, kept me going and, and kept me, um, you know, hopeful and optimistic and encouraged was probably the songwriter community. The songwriter community in Nashville is just one of the best communities, I feel like, in probably any industry. You know, it's just, uh, we all we all write together, we all hurt together, we all cheer together, we all, you know, we, we celebrate, we commiserate, and it's just like, um, we're all just here for each other. And I think that that is just uh, so rare and so valuable. And I feel like especially for my music, you know, you know, I went out and played this record, you know, the dream or whatever I was, I was knocking on those doors and taking those meetings and playing that music for people. And um, it was really not until the artists and the writers started championing me that the industry really started taking me seriously, you know? Right. And so, I mean, they're the reason that I, that I get to do this, you know, Marin taking me on tour, Brothers Osborne was posting about the record, Carly Pierce, Lori McKenna, Hillary Lindsey, Nicole Galleon, Brandi Clark, all big writers that were writing with me before I had anything going on, you know, um, they're incredibly, yeah. I mean, they're the reason that I, I've, been able to do any of this you know and so I just think that the community here is un- is unlike any other and I really wouldn't have it any other way I mean it's just the coolest thing to be able to have gotten you know my break because of my peers and my collaborators who you know even when the industry didn't believe in me they did and that is just something that they can't ever take away
0: you know right and within that community like I saw that you had played the whiskey jam back in 2015 and I saw on that bill were
1: you some deep dives
0: <laughs> yes I was <laughs> um on that bill was Maren Morris and Ryan Hurd and yeah. I was wondering within that community when you're seeing those people that you're sort of coming up with when they take off to success like how does that make you feel are you happy for them or is there a side of you that's saying why them why not me how does that work within that community when you see that
1: yeah well I mean I've known Ryan I've known Ryan from you know Belmont days so I I've known him had kind of a relationship with him we had a lot of mutual friends and stuff and Marion came to town and she kind of fell into that group too but I mean, it, you know, just in general, you see and you still see it happening, you know, today, like you see people just blow into town and, and, you know, it's almost like overnight, everyone loves them and, um, you know, and and they're getting all these opportunities and, you know, and it's, it's really easy to like, you know, start to look around, like, what are they doing that I'm not maybe I should be doing this, maybe I should do that. Uh, And you know i definitely thought those thoughts and tried those things and i finally came to just a breaking point of like look i can only be me you know i can never be you know the you know the next whoever female artist like i have to tap into what i bring to the table what is my experience what is my voice and and, and just really just focus on the fans and um, getting that music out there to them. And it, you can't sit around and look at everyone else. I mean, do you want to on your really bad days? You want to sit and sulk and get some Chinese food and a bottle of wine and, you know, just like boohoo about why it's, it's not happening for you. Like those are real things. And I think it's really easy to feel that, especially in you know, a town and an industry that can sometimes make you feel like there's not enough room for everybody, you know, but, um, I think that just makes you bitter and it's a dead end every time, you know? And so I really just try and focus on myself and, um, you know, what makes me happy. And, and then I I find that, you know, the more I'm kind of, you know, focused on that instead of what everyone else is doing, the happier I am and the happier I can be, for other people when they start having, you know, success too. And and so, yeah.
0: And 2017, that was right around year 10. And I saw at the end of the year, you posted those thoughts about the frustration of trying to fit in, but be yourself and the frustration with the business. And I also noticed sort of throughout 2017, it seemed that you were posting less on social media. So talk about 2017 and that year and how you grew throughout that year and the importance of it for driving you forward to what was to come.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I can't remember if it was 2017 or I think it was 2017, 2017, 2018. Anyways, I was, um, It came right after like an experimented uh, an experimental phase with me and with my music you know i'd I'd been in town for a long time i felt like a total fish out of water it was like around the time that like country was becoming very pop influenced very track influenced and I, i i came here to write songs like you know alan jackson and and stuff like that like i had no business writing pop songs and i was feeling very uncool very old and like just not, you know, just a fish out of water in this town. And so I decided, you know, like the one thing I haven't tried is to be like all of that pop stuff that's like working at country radio right now. So why don't I try some of that and we'll see how it goes. And I did, and I I tried it and I did a little project and started kind of playing it around. And I had one, my first meeting and i that meeting ended and i told my boyfriend jake i said i we're not doing any more meetings like i can't sit through that again that does not feel like me that just doesn't feel authentic if that's what nashville wants i'm out it's not for me you know i and that was like the fuck it point that i say you know where i just really let it go came to terms with it you know i tried to be that it wasn't me i could not do that i could not sell it and so i was just like i'm just gonna reassess i'm gonna put out this handful of songs that i got that i believe in and you know if it fails it fails but at least it's me it's what i want to say it's what i feel like you know my sound is and and so that was probably part of that time, you know, I bet that, po- I think that post, I remember making that post and I think it was very much me kind of like feeling that, like that power back, that strength back. Um, you know, I remember I was just like, you know, I, I won't say depressed because I, I feel like that's probably unfair to people, you know, who are diagnosed with depression, but I was very sad. I was very, very sad. I was sleeping a lot. And I just like, you know, I was really try. I think I was really grappling with like my time here and what it meant to me and my feelings of, you know, just feeling like I had not much to show for it. And um, it was a really low time, but on the other side of that, then you can see um, me becoming stronger and me becoming more um, secure in what I did do and more confident in what I did do. And Uh, so I think you needed both for sure to get the dream. You had to have that breaking point to get, uh, what is now my record, the dream, but yeah, I bet that was, I bet that was definitely like a transformation year for me. And that's probably, I I remember, I specifically remember deleting my social media, you know, and, and just booking trips and going on trips. And, and I, I felt like up to that point, you know, my whole life, it was like, Music comes first. Music comes first. I'm not going to go to the grad party. I'm not going to go to the wedding. I'm not going to go to the birthday. I have shows. I can't. I have to work, yada, yada. And that was the year I kind of like put music on the back burner and went out and did those things, you know, and I think that that gave me the perspective of just like kind of holistically, like, you know, the Janice thing go out and make a good living but don't forget to make a good life you know that those years like gave me that perspective and it just helped me realize how valuable all that stuff is you know all the stuff that you kind of put on hold because you're too busy with work you know like those are the things that actually made me a better artist a better writer you know um because I had all that life to tap into and talk about you know
0: Right. And it was in early 2018 when your boyfriend Jake came to you and said, do you want a ring or do you want a record? Was it instantly a record or what were your thoughts around it?
1: Yeah. I mean, totally. We've been together. I mean, I, I, I don't think I'm like, I'm not much of a traditionalist in the sense of, you know, weddings and marriage and, and, you know, looking at relationships that way. But we'd been together probably, I guess, at that point, we'd been together six or seven years. And, you know, I felt I felt confident in my relationship. And what I really needed right now, right then, was, you know, a little extra cash to finish that record with. And so it was kind of a no-brainer. And <laughs> it was also kind of like a testing period, I guess. Like, let's see if we can get through uh, this very intense record making process you know and if we make it we might have a little bit of a shot and and making a go at the ring thing so
0: yeah because he co-produced the album right
1: he did yeah
0: so what was that like having this album that I imagine felt like your last shot like this is it if this doesn't work then what and also doing it with someone that you're in a relationship with you've been for with for many years like what was the whole emotion while you were doing the project
1: uh you know it was it worked really well like there was one time I think I threw shit out of my car and was like get out you're fired we're not working together anymore but other than that like all of those years that we'd had as a couple, you know, as a, as partners in a relationship, um, he was someone who was jumping in my van with me and my band on the weekends and like going to our shows and helping me TM. And he's always kind of been like a source of, um, advice and guidance and helping me navigate, you know, my career. And so, um, uh, when we decided to make the record, we were both just very, um, ignorant to that whole process i mean it wasn't it was only with the encouragement of my publisher at the time frank liddell that we even felt at all you know like we could potentially produce the thing so um it was really nice to have somebody who also didn't know what he was doing you know and um he's an avid music fan like he he listens to more music than anybody I know. And I trusted his taste and I trusted his vision. And I think he trusted my instincts and my vision and, um, and just kind of, you know, being able to have that relationship together, it was really impactful. And I feel like too, it's like, we dated for six years. We weren't afraid of hurting each other's feelings, you know? So it was like, we would butt heads and respectfully butt heads, you know, it was like, it was always for the betterment of the songs and for making the project the best that we possibly could. But I, you know, I think that if I'd gone in with, you know, my dream producer, which I honestly didn't even have the money to do, that's kind of why we started making this record together. Anyways, had I gone in with like my dream producer, I think, you know, despite all that confidence I talk about, I think I would have been very intimidated to stand up to them and to express myself and, To you know fight for the things that felt right to me you know um so i think that that i think that that relationship that we had that creative relationship was really unique and really instrumental to being able to make the record the way we did
0: right and following the release of 10 year town that was the the one to first hit now Maren Morris bringing you on tour was one of the first big moments. Now, was that sort of for you when it kind of clicked in that maybe this music was going to help take you places? Or was there a moment before that where you thought you might have something there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think seeing the response of the release, like because I just dropped 10 Year Town. And I remember seeing a lot of people, a lot of artists reposting about that. And I, um, that was kind of a moment that I was like, okay, there might be something here. And then it was probably a month, month and a half, maybe after that, that I got the call from Marin. And um, I think that that was the moment that the industry were, really started to take me seriously, you know, because I mean, she could have had anyone on tour and she and she invited me who had no label no management I was waiting tables I literally just had this little record and I think that was the moment that the industry started to look at me with some new eyes you know and uh so yeah that definitely got the ball rolling
0: and then your first time at the Opry was that the next one that made you realize oh wow like I actually have a career in country music all of a sudden without having to work my day job?
1: Yeah, I mean, the Opry holds a very special place in my heart and in my journey because, you know, it was the first first place and just event that really like ignited the flame in me for chasing country music and for pursuing country music. and And then I remember, you know, it was you know, around that 10 year mark, uh, it was the place that I went back to. I bought a ticket as a fan and sat in the audience. And, um, it was kind of like, you know, that moment of me considering like hanging it up and then going to the Opry and seeing the show and thinking like, you still really want this and you're going to be really disappointed if you quit. So like the Opry has kind of just been like this lighthouse for me, I feel like throughout my journey. And um, I mean, I just I think it's just you know the place for country music. It's always been the place for country music, and um, to me, and so to get to play that is just a huge honor. You know, it, it was like I don't I always say like if I can just go home and say I am playing the Grand Ole Opry, I've made it. You know,
0: and I don't know if it was your first time playing, but uh, you've played multiple times now, which is awesome. But one of the times you're able to play one more hell. Now you lost (laughs) your brother back in 2011 Mm -hmm. and you wrote that song for him. Now throughout the years of sort of not celebrating that anniversary, but having to go through that anniversary of his death. And at that moment, being able to play that song on that stage, what did that mean to you?
1: It meant a lot. I mean, that song, you know, it just means so much to me. And I've always, you know, the Opry also means so much to me. It's such a holy place. And and so to get to sing that song on that stage, it just, you know, I feel like if there's any room that he could hear that song, you know, from, I think it would be that place. And it's just so intimate to me and real and raw. And so I always wanted to play, you know, that song for him. And then you know, coincidentally enough, on the 10 year anniversary of his death, like I was playing the Grand Ole Opry. And so it just felt like this weird universe thing where it's like, you know, on a day that usually brings me so much like pain, and I try and tune out and, and kind of just feel it and sit in it. It was like, you know, the day that I, I think like after a decade, he was saying like, hey, I want you to smile today. And um, remember me positively. And I think that, um, I think that it's just so bizarre that that happened on the same day. And it meant a lot to me to get to do that from that stage.
0: That is so awesome. Yeah. I have talked to other people who have played the Opry and they talk about, you know, just some, some weird experiences that they have with those in their past who are, who are no longer with us, but when they play the Opry, something happens and, and they just know they're there. So it's just amazing that you were able to do that. And and finally celebrate him in that way.
1: (laughs) I know, it's so weird, so bizarre.
0: And that song means a lot to you. And you have a lot of songs on the new album that feel very personal. And of course, 10 Year Town is basically about your journey and it's the song that helped to kick this all off. But as far as the entire album goes, is there one song that really makes you feel a lot more than the others?
1: Uh, yeah, like they all kind of have their moments to me. I mean, Tenure Town was definitely like my Nashville story. Uh, Heartland is kind of like my return home, back to my roots, down to that, back to that grounding place. Um, Janice is the advice that I needed to hear when I wrote that song and that I still try and keep with me, you know, as I navigate, you know, my career um, to this day. Living the dream is kind of just holistically, I think the big picture lesson and and reminder and advice that I need, you know, like um, it can be really easy to, you know, to start to see, you know, work as a paycheck or a means to an end or, you know, something like that. Um, but I think that it's just important to remember that, like, you know, the very last line of the song, ain't we all down here living the dream? Like, how lucky are we to get to be alive? Kind of going back, I wrote that line specifically for my brother, you know, and I think about people who've left us way too soon, you know, way too early. And Um, I just think that like, you know, we're so lucky to get to be here, to get to be alive, to get to love and hurt and cry and laugh. And, um, you know, even beyond music, you know, that's just a a universal thing and a universal feeling and um, definitely something I always try and remember, you know.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to ask, because I heard someone say a couple of weeks ago, a quote sort of that said it's hard to celebrate something because you work so hard for something, but when you get it, it's just your normal now. And so all of a sudden you're reaching for the next thing because that's just your normal. And so I was going to ask you with finally achieving this point in your career, have you been able to stop and look at what it is rather than just sort of moving forward and saying, okay, this is my life now, what's next?
1: Man, I celebrate... Everything. I celebrate when my singles die at country radio. You know what I mean? When happy people died, I went out and drank tequila. Like, you know, I mean, it's just like, I remember when Jake and I were making the dream, we would go celebrate Recording day, we would go celebrate the day we finished the mixes. We would celebrate the day we got the masters back. We would celebrate every single song that got released. Um, every time I played the Grand Ole Opry, I'd go straight to the Nashville Palace and get a beer and a cheeseburger. You know, like, I just think it's important to, and, and I hope that I always have time for those celebrations in some capacity because, you know, I mean, With everything that happens, with everything that I get to do, I know that it could all end, you know, and, and I try and have those moments. I remember the first show I played with Martina McBride, I walked out of the venue and I was walking to go get on the bus and I stopped and I looked up at the sky and the stars were incredible. And I just thought like, you need to soak this up because you may never get to do this again you know, and, um, I try and think about that stuff all the time and just to keep it in perspective. And, uh, you know, if I, if my career was over tomorrow and I had to pack up and go home, I would be so proud of the shit that I did because everything that I've done is more than I ever thought I was going to get to do, you know? And so, um, I just try and take as much time as possible to celebrate the little milestones along the way. Cause uh, you know, those moments are just so special.
0: When you look back now on that little 17 year old girl ready to take the trip to Nashville and all that you have been through, do you take that journey often through you your know, mind?
1: I really haven't thought about it in a long while. You know, it's like every once in a while I get to get a little glimpse of that girl again. You know, it's hard to remember that sometimes cause it's just like, you know, a time trip almost. But I mean, I think that probably the last thing that kind of made me think of that girl was when I got to play the CMT awards, you know cause I remember coming here, you know before I'd moved here and going to those awards and wanting to perform on them someday and to be nominated And, uh, I think like she would be surprised herself, you know, as, as bold and as determined and, um, you know, just ambitious as she was, you know, I don't know if she ever really, really thought that it could all happen, you know? And so I think I'm just proud of her, you know? Um, it sounds weird to say, to be proud of yourself, but I'm just proud of her for sticking it out and, uh for finding a place where she can just, you know, be enjoying the ride of it all and, you know, be glad to be here. I, um, it's awesome.
0: That is amazing. And I just wanted to ask you about one more thing, because you have probably seen a lot throughout your years, playing anywhere you could and, you know, doing whatever you could to get on stage. But I saw on social media that you had talked about the brawl on stage and talk about that. It was a social media post where you were like talking about tour life.
1: That is hilarious. Um, I didn't know that was online. That is so funny. I, I'm going to have to go see what I was talking about. So what were you asking? Like what that experience was like? Yeah.
0: What it, what happened there?
1: <laughs> well, it's a funny story. Actually my band and I were just like reliving that story this weekend. Um, we were playing a venue and it was just kind of like, you know, one of those three hour cover gig kind of sets. There was like nobody in the audience, you know, nobody really cared. And, um, we're on like our last song of our three hour set and this group of like bachelorettes comes up side stage and says, Hey, if I give you this $100 bill, can we get up and sing a song with you? And I'm like, yeah, I want to let you do it for 20 but awesome, thanks. Sure, anything you want. So they get up on stage, and they're singing White Liar. And before I know it, there's like a 12-chick brawl happening on, sta- happening on stage, and there's like – microphone like cables being ripped out of mics my bass players like throwing his bases back to the drummer to like keep them out of the way feedback going I'm seeing like earrings being ripped chunks of hair there was a dude who got on stage to try and break it up and I saw him get decked in the face it was like just like the baddest all-girl fight I've Ever seen, and it went on for like what felt like almost three minutes before finally like multiple dudes got on and broke them up. And um, I mean, this is kind of gossipy. I uh, I don't know who's listening to your podcast, but uh, I hope they don't get mad at me. Anyways, I went to go settle with the bar owner at the end of the night, and uh, I said, "Hey, I'm sorry about that. You know, I kind of felt responsible." And he said, "Oh, honey." They've been waiting for that to happen all night. Apparently, the girl who had gotten on stage and started getting beat up on had slept with one of the other, like, girl's husbands and got knocked up. Oh, no. Yeah, so they were just, like, waiting for the right moment to be able to, like, catch up with that girl, I guess. and you know, beat her up a little bit, but it was one of the craziest stories I've ever had happen to me while being on stage.
0: (laughs) That is hilarious. I'm glad I saw that. I took that
1: $100 bill and went out and bought my band a drink. Like it was insane.
0: That is awesome. Well, congratulations on everything. And what tour dates? You're touring with Midland later this year, right? That we can look forward to?
1: yeah so i think i'm doing i'm doing faster horses this weekend uh i got some dates with little big town and luke combs next month um playing bonnaroo in september and then we start the midland tour so yeah i think i'm booked every weekend from now till christmas so (laughs) we'll be on the road
0: (laughs) that is awesome and speaking of luke combs you actually toured with him like back in 2016 right
1: Yeah, like back, I remember driving to that show, I was opening for him and I'm like, who the hell is Luke Combs? Like (laughs) I have not heard anything about him, Um, but he had packed out every single show I played for him. This was like before he'd even moved to Nashville. Right. And uh, I played shows with him and he, you know, he would invite me up to sing a song with him every night. And uh, oddly enough, his manager at the time, now my manager as well, Cappy, was like his bodyguard, his van driver, his TM, all that stuff. So it's kind of a weird, you know, again, another weird universe thing that flash forward how many years later, and now we all work together, you know, but um, yeah, Luke's always been very, very kind to me and um, very supportive. So
0: that is awesome. Well, congratulations again. Enjoy the tours throughout the year and all that the year is going to bring you. It's amazing to see what you're now able to accomplish with your music and how you've been able to do it. Like I say, your way creating the music you want to make and where that's taking you. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. And thanks for doing this. I really enjoyed chatting with you.
0: Thank you guys once again, so much for listening. And thank you to Haley for stopping by and sharing her inspirational story. Be sure to check out her album, The Dream, wherever you stream your music. Please also make sure you are liking, sharing, following, subscribing to us on whatever streaming service you are listening on. And head over to social media, give us a follow there as well so you can stay up to date on all the exciting episodes we have coming up in the future. Thank you so much for listening once again, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.